0: Cast studios this, this is the award-winning after
1: nine with scott and Cat. powered by tony Johal, broker at remax twin city your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it hey now and happy election day ontario happy election day what is that the proper
0: greeting are we happy nobody's is it, happy e- is everybody happy to stand in line i mean that's great though it's funny, this morning we were talking about, you know, the things we usually do. And we absolutely encourage people to vote. I don't like pushing on it too hard, but I think that we are pretty fair. We say, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's your choice to do it. You choose what ha- happens next. And even if you think you have no, no chance in hell for the, whoever you want to lead being a leader, there's a lot of people out there feeling that way. So that can make the biggest difference in the world. So absolutely, get out and either change things or keep things the same. I don't give a shit how you vote, but yeah. And we said, exercise your right. And the truth to it is, it does feel like an exercise because sometimes doesn't it burn the next
1: day? We're in 2022 and haven't quite figured this out yet. I know that we like to call ourselves the leaders in democracy and, and we are in a lot of ways. But there's a couple of things they could do to make this a lot easier for people. Don't even get me started on online voting, but the polls are open from nine till nine. Uh, okay, why couldn't they be open at 7? Why couldn't they be open at 6 a.m.? It's once every four years. Let's make this as easy as possible. The advance polls weren't even open this past Sunday, and that was a big mistake as well, as far as I'm concerned. If we really do want people to vote, it needs to be as easy as possible. And frankly, there's a lot of people who are waking up on a nice Thursday don't really care too much about any of these candidates and they're going to see a line and say fuck this i'm out of here and and unfortunately that's a form of voter suppression i don't think we should do that it should be easy to vote but we did say yesterday that we would give a prediction and i would like you to go first
0: I really, I'm just, honestly, I always just go by feeling. I don't look at polls. I don't really, that much else doesn't sway me in terms of like people throwing memes up and saying, fuck this person, screw that person. I'm just going to guess that we will have Doug Ford in power again tomorrow.
1: That's certainly the way it looks. I mean, the polls are predicting a Doug Ford landslide. Will it actually happen? In all likelihood, it probably will. The polls couldn't be that wrong. What could interfere with Doug Ford winning today is or winning a massive majority is voter turnout. And I think that out of all of the parties, his members are the less uh, the least motivated. There's a lot that went wrong during this campaign for all the parties. Andrea Horvath really struggled to get a voice and the NDP, who's now the leader, uh, who's now the official opposition I don't even know if they're going to stay in that spot, if they're going to slip to third, or they might even lose party status, depending on how many people decide to vote liberal. The liberals have had a horrible campaign. They had a little bit of momentum going for a while at the beginning, and it looked like, oh, maybe they can turn things around. They talked about things like the four-day work week that appealed to people. They were going to take the HST off of prepared foods. That seemed like a good idea. I think people were in favor of it. Where I think it went wrong for them was when they said right off the bat... We're going to require kids to get a COVID shot before they go to school yeah, in September. That's enough. And that was enough to sink them. There's enough people out there that aren't loud about it, but are definitely thinking, mm, yeah. I'm not getting my kid vaccinated.
0: Yep. And there's some great, th- I mean, I'm glad you mentioned, because there's a lot of great things on each platform. I really do think that. Like, I wish that it, this was like poker, where the person who ends up winning is like, yep, I'll take that and then I'll raise you this. But they keep all of those good things, you know, but we can't ever have it that way. That's not the way it is. Like, I wish we could take little bits from everybody's platform and Actually, make it true. Some of it's over the top. Some of it, I think, even if those people were elected, whether it be the, MB, the NDP or the liberal, Liberal. and again, I do believe cons- we're going to have a conservative government tomorrow, but I think that would they even do it? I don't know. Some of them are nice thoughts and I'm, I'm absolutely here for it. Can they make it happen? Would they make it happen if they were elected? That's where you have me. You don't have me at, there's your idea. Okay, I'm voting for you based on that idea. It's, could you actually make that happen? How long will it take before that will happen? Will this actually benefit us or not? Uh, you know, basically, are you lying or not?
1: With the conservatives, what went wrong there is they just ran one of those campaigns that you run when you're in the front. You try and not make any mistakes, but they went over the top. They like locked Doug down. And every time Doug is in the slightest bit of peril, they lock the guy down. Mm -hmm. They hide him and, and you never see him. And that comes off sneaky and shady and suspicious. But the benefit of it is he can't actually screw up but it leaves the opposition to keep firing away missiles and nobody to defend him. So if Doug doesn't win, uh, that's probably a strategy error. What went wrong for the Green Party? Uh, The Green Party is just a victim of the current system that we have. We've been pre-programmed to think there's three parties in Canada, Conservative, Liberal, and New Democrat. The Greens, to a lot of people, still seem like this fringe party, this, yeah. this little, little thing that uh, they got like one seat. Nobody really pays attention to them. I think they could have been a good contender, but from the polling to the media coverage, they never really got the start that they should have had.
0: Well, when it comes to the greens, I think the biggest fear, because I think people really enjoy the platform for the most part, but the biggest fear is we know that with environmental initiatives equals money. Is there enough money to even do what's being said? Are there, are they taking money out of our pockets to make that work? And we understand environment. So, so important. That's like the least, you know, that you could say about it. So important. But I think that there's a big fear of how much money will be spent getting some of those initiatives actually in place.
1: Do you think Steven Del Duca is going to win his own seat because he's running oh. in Vaughn, and that's a tough riding for that yeah. vest-wearing son of I, a bitch. I,
0: I don't I don't know. Is he likable in Vaughn? I don't know how Vaughn feels about Del Duca.
1: I mean, all the polls say it's going to be razor-thin margins Close. in that particular riding. Okay. There's one scenario where the Liberals could actually win, but their leader doesn't have a seat. I think that's extremely unlikely, but the Liberals could be the official opposition. And not have a leader sitting in the legislature if Steve Del Duca doesn't win his own seat. If you're in Vaughn, you're actually going to control a big part of the narrative in this election. I'm fully expecting Andrea Horvath to step down tonight as leader of the NDP party.
0: I think so too. I think that she has to if she doesn't win.
1: But you know what though? I've heard for a while that she's considering running for mayor of Hamilton and that would probably be a good role for her if she wants to stay in politics. Absolutely. Frankly, I don't know why anyone would want to be in the the scene right now. But either way, Andrea does have options. Del Duca, I don't know what he did before he became a politician and I don't know what he's going to do next. But if he doesn't get at least second place, and win his seat, he has an obligation to step down tonight. He should do it tonight, get it over with, and get that party rebuilding. And hopefully, all of the parties are going to have a conversation about how they elect their leaders, because it really doesn't seem that representative. Let me throw out a quick suggestion for you. Right now, the conservative party is in the midst of electing a new leader federally. It's Pierre Polyev, Patrick Brown, Leslin Lewis, right. Roman Babber. The list goes on. Jean Charest. Um, Who's that other person that I'm forgetting? Because now I'm just going to leave out one. Atchison is running. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, tomorrow is the deadline to buy a membership. That's how it works. You have to buy a membership to the party in order to have a say. I almost think that we should have primaries like they do in the States. And I think anybody should be able to cast a vote. I think that any Canadian should have a say in who the leader of the Liberal Party is or who the leader of the Conservative Party is. You shouldn't have to pay $15 to get a vote.
0: Well, because that's what leads us to where we're at now. Most people probably would tell you they don't love any of the candidates. And this is one of the reasons why. Now we're talking provincial versus federal, but still, same thing goes. If we don't like all of these choices, you feel like I wish I would have had to say in at least who leads these parties, because that might make a difference. I always go by people. I don't necessarily go by party. I'm not a color person. I'm not like, it's always blue. It's always red. It's always orange. I'm not that person. I look at the person that's running. I hear what they have to say. Do they sketch me out? Do I think that their platform is reasonable? Do I think that I can benefit from it in the stage I'm at now in life? I look at all those things. But to have a say in who's actually standing up, that makes a massive difference in who I vote for. Absolutely. So I do agree with you. I'd love to be a fly on the wall today in those like strategy meetings. I know that there's not a lot of strategy in terms of campaigning, but I mean the after effect. So right now, for example, Andrea Horvath and company, Are talking about, okay, so if it goes in this direction, here's your speech. If it goes in that direction, here's your speech, right? I mean, all those things are pre-prepared.
1: I think all the parties, with the exception of the conservatives, have got both speeches written. I don't think it's even crossed the mind of the conservatives that it might not go the way the polls say it will. I don't think there's a concession speech written for Mm. Doug. I think there is one written for Del Duca, Horvath, and, while well, Schreiner probably didn't write a victory speech because the polls say it's impossible right. for him to win. Although I don't accept that. I really don't. I think a lot can happen on Election Day. Sure. They say campaigns matter. I think the actual Election Day matters as well. I still think there's going to be a lot of people that go in to vote today and are going to have a hard time marking an X beside any of them. I think there's going to be a lot of conservatives that really have to think twice before they vote for Doug. In the end, I think they will. But it's not going to be an easy, automatic, like it might have been four years ago when they won a big majority government and when the liberals got knocked down to almost losing official party status. Or did they lose? No, I don't think they did actually lose it. Oh, maybe they did, actually. I don't remember. That was four years ago. In any case, the the polls close at 9 o'clock. If it's a landslide, like the polls say it's going to be, we should know before 10 o'clock who's going to leave the province. If it's close, I don't know what's going to happen. But the polls say it's not going to be close. I'm almost wondering if maybe they should stop publishing polls like maybe a week or two weeks before the election. There's a lot of people that I think hear that the outcome is basically pre-decided and think ah oh, fuck it I don't, I don't need to vote
0: i don't even know a lot of people that take the polls like who's taking the polls so that's my biggest problem I, I hate polls i've said that for many many times i think it's dumb because most 99 percent of the time they're wrong maybe they're close sometimes but for the most part we're not we can barely go to the fucking election site to cast a ballot let alone take a poll not a lot of people are doing
1: it so yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they found a thousand people to answer their phone I'm, in two nights
0: i'm surprised as well i really
1: am it's uh That's a strange one. Hard to believe. But either way, that's the system we have. Good luck to all of the candidates and to everybody who loses. It takes courage to put your name on the ballot and stand up and want to stand for something. That's true. So so good on you. Win or lose. We hope you had a good time. (laughs) (laughs) The memories will last a lifetime, Scott. Without saying who you're voting for, have you made up your mind yet?
0: Yes, I have. And And I haven't voted yet. I got to go today. Later this afternoon, which is going to suck. I'm going to be one of those people.
1: I hope that after this election, we get some true electoral reform in this province and this country. And I really hope that they look at how they do the voting to make sure that it is the utmost convenient. Yes, all weekend, the final weekend before the polls open, the advance polls should be open. On election day, they have to be open for 12 hours. Open them for 14. Open them for 16. There's a lot of people that go to work at... Five o'clock in the morning because they've got such a long commute. Mm-hmm. They don't have time to stop in on the way home. They've probably got to go home, do a quick turnaround, get their kid a, a quick dinner and get them out to T-ball or soccer yeah. or lacrosse or whatever. You're Backing it up against the end of the day isn't helpful. Yeah. And when they say, oh, well, you're entitled to three hours off to go and vote have that conversation with your employer. Some of them are real good about it and some of them are not. And
0: And, depending what you do for a living, it's virtually impossible.
1: Totally. Uh, Good friend of mine installs pool stuff and he's working in Wasega Beach today. He's two hours from his home riding. Come on. Like uh, there's a lot of people who don't have that ability. So guys, consider opening them up. Maybe 24 hours. Say, hey, you know what? The polls close at 9 p.m. on June 2nd. You can vote from 9 p.m. on June 1st. Anything to make it easy so that people feel like they have had their voice heard. And even if their person loses, they have to feel like they were acknowledged. Uh, Coming up on this episode, it's a huge day. The Johnny Depp verdict yesterday had the entire world talking. And I want to talk specifically about the jury and how they came to that conclusion. And I want to talk a little bit about Amber Heard's statement after she lost in that court case, mainly lost in that case, because I have a few questions about it, but we're not going to speculate ourselves. We'll bring in an expert, Sandra Ziskin from Diamond and Diamond Lawyers, who's been on before, is going to come on and explain how this happened and what happens next, because nearest I can tell, she doesn't have the $10 million she owes Johnny. Her entire net worth is $8 million.
0: That's basically exactly what she owes him because he owes her. So, and that's another question I have, too. So uh, instead of speculating, you want to bring her in now? Uh,
1: yeah, if you want to call Sandra now, yeah, let's, do, let's it. do it. Yep. Okay. Hello? Hey, Sandra. It's Scott and Kat.
2: Hi, guys. How are
0: you? Good. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you so much for taking the time. I've been following and I always follow uh, Diamond and Diamond on Instagram. And you've been giving some great updates during the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard defamation trial. Do you mind if we just ask you some questions and just pick your brain on this whole thing for a bit?
2: No, go right ahead.
0: Okay, so for those of (laughs) everybody's heard the news by now, but a jury did rule in favor of Johnny Depp in the libel suit against his ex, Amber Heard. And it basically means and please you give your take and correct me if I'm wrong here. But they basically believe she fabricated being abused by Johnny during their brief marriage. But they did find and this is where I have do have some questions for you that will get answered later. The jury um, found that one thing in her favor was that, yes, she was also defamed because of his attorney and his attorney, Adam, did defame her. When he told the Daily Mail she set up Johnny when the police came to their apartment in May 2016. So in terms of damages, jury members found Johnny should be awarded ten million dollars plus five million in punitive damages, which of course was we're going to ask you about this too was cut down to three hundred fifty thousand dollars because that's as much as you could get in Virginia. Meantime, Amber Heard should receive two million. So Sandra, does this mean in total? She owes, like, just over $8 million to Johnny at the end of the day?
2: That's correct. That's correct. One would offset against the next, and essentially that's how much she owes him.
1: Okay, so what happens if she doesn't have that money? I mean, her net worth is $8 million, but, I mean, that's all in. It doesn't sound like she has that kind of cash to just stroke a check to him.
2: No, but potentially what he could do is he could garnish her wages on future um on future projects she has. So now she's working, I guess, on that Aquaman series. So if she gets Mm -hmm. another job, potentially he could garnish her wages and get the wages paid directly to pay down
1: the debt. Oh, my God. Can you imagine?
0: And they did ask her about how much money she's making. And and I think all of it is at least going to go to him. Well,
2: yeah. 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 So what they would do is, like, if you guys remember back to the O.J. Simpson when they had that big judgment against him, the judge decided how much he kind of needed just to survive and to live. And the rest had to go towards paying down the Goldman family, Goldman Brown family for the damages.
1: Wow. In this case, I'm wondering why the jury found what they found. Because, I mean, this is different from the lawsuit that happened over in the U.K., What was it this time around that sealed the deal for Johnny where the jury said, yeah, you know what? She definitely defamed him because she never actually mentioned his name in the article.
2: No, but she alluded to the fact that it was him and there was no other relationship that it essentially could have been. So everyone understood the inference, like she gave enough detail. The only difference really is that in the UK, it was judge alone. So judge alone, they go by the letter of the law. Whereas here, it was a jury trial. And with jury trials, what often happens, we see it happen all the time, is they go on the credibility of the plaintiff. So if they really like the plaintiff, they're going to find for the plaintiff regardless. That's why people sometimes, if you don't have the best case on liability or fault, you want a jury if you have got a good plaintiff. Because if the jury likes your plaintiff or likes your client, they're likely to find for you.
0: Okay. the one case I did want to ask you about the one case where the jury ruled in her favor, the two million dollar one where Johnny Depp's attorney basically is the one that defamed her. How does that work internally between Johnny Depp and and his attorney? Does Johnny care in this scenario that basically he has to pay up two million because of something his attorney did? That's what I find interesting.
2: Yeah, no. So it depends if Johnny told his attorney to say it, then then it's Johnny's fault. But if Johnny didn't instruct his attorney to say it, potentially Johnny has a suit against the attorney. Wow. Which
0: Mm -hmm. would be interesting considering they did help him out. I mean, I think they did a great job. Overall, Sandra, your opinion on how Johnny's team did first?
2: And Johnny's team did way better than Amber's Mm -hmm. team. I found Amber's team to be stumbling and sort of clumsy and didn't really seem to be able to get it. Um, And they weren't able to paint her in, in the best possible light. Johnny's team did this attack mode. They painted her as the crazy ex-wife with all of these issues. They brought in a million witnesses to basically look, make her look unhinged. And, then, and eventually the jury, and quite frankly, public opinion, because what you see on social media and everybody is they, they are just all taking Johnny's side, uh, that they were able to paint her as this crazy person that made up all
1: of this stuff. Was that jury sequestered, or did they have access to social media and to be able to see the commentary and discussion happening in the public?
2: So technically, they were sequestered. And If you remember, the, the, at one point, though, they weren't sequestered, and the judge let them go home. Um, but to don't look at social media, I mean, listen, you know, <laughs> the can tell you whatever you want. If you're not looking at your Mm-mm. phone at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I don't know many people who are who are not, but they were technically supposed to look at that stuff.
0: Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, Amber's team slipped up with that. And one of the people on her team said, oh, these memes and stuff. And that was kind of a big no, no. You're not supposed to look at them. But everybody knows. And I'd like to. I'd like to know what you think from here on out. First of all, can Amber come back and try to do anything about this? Or is it a sealed deal? There's no way she can come back and and try to, I don't know, sue again.
2: Well, she can't sue again, but she could appeal the she could appeal the decision. It's just very hard to appeal a jury verdict mm-hmm. because juries juries decide what they believe based on the testimony and the credibility. So it has to be somehow that the judge did something wrong or instructed people wrong or made some sort of error of law. Um, it's way easier to appeal a judgment from a judge if if they made. Question of law, but on a finding of credibility, it's very difficult to appeal credibility. And very, very rarely will the judge overturn or even look at that.
1: Okay. I want to ask you about her statement that she released after the decision came down yesterday. The last two paragraphs, she said, I believe Johnny's attorneys succeeded in getting the jury to overlook the key issue of freedom of speech and ignore evidence that was so conclusive that we won in the UK. I'm sad I lost this case. I'm sadder still that I seem to have lost a right I thought I had as an American to speak freely and openly. So my question is, if she wants to argue that this is freedom of speech, where is the line drawn then between freedom of speech and defamation against somebody?
2: Right. So I I think the freedom of speech is a stretch. You're not allowed to say things that are patently untrue about people. Um, so she's not allowed to just say whatever she wants. Like, I, I can sit there and say, you know, Scott hit me, and then you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? You just can't say whatever you want whenever you want. It doesn't work like that. That's not what freedom of speech is. You have a right to your opinion, but you don't have a right to just make things up. So the freedom of speech argument is is a little bit suspect, London again. London. It was the Sun. If you remember the, it was a lawsuit against the Sun, which is a tabloid newspaper in the UK. The judge found that uh, he found that he. The wife-beater comment was not defamatory. But it's not conclusive, and that's also problematic. What they have to decide is on a balance of probabilities what they believe. The judge believed in the U.K. on a balance of probabilities that he did something to her abusive. It doesn't have to be multiple occasions, but he did something to her abusive. That justifies the headline. Here, the jury found on a balance of probabilities that he did not. So it's it's just which side the scale is going to tip. It's not 100%. It's not criminal where you find beyond a reasonable doubt. So even the term conclusive is is wrong. It's just on a balance of probability.
0: Hmm. As a lawyer, do you like that, that trials like this are televised and that we're able to watch it and have access to it so easily? Would you ever like to see something like that in Canada? For for example, the Jacob Hogard trial.
1: I would. <laughs>
2: Sure, it's entertaining. I mean, listen, if we didn't get anything, we got two narcissistic people getting on the stand and, and listening to how they poop in each other's bed, it just kind of makes you feel better about your own life. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just going that's, home yeah. Like, wow. Yeah. They have all this money, they have everything, and this is what's going on in their, their house. I'm feeling good tonight.
1: I'm, I'm wondering if Amber Heard's ever going to be able to get a job again. I, I just don't know if that's likely. Do you see any yeah. producers or directors casting her in the future?
2: I, I, real. this is really, really going to hurt her um, unless, you know, she might turn it on its head and become, uh, you know, go towards the Me Too movement and start talking about, you know, the feminist movement and maybe turn it on its head slightly. I, I have no idea. There's also the possibility that Elon Musk bails her out of this whole thing, right?
0: It's possible. And that's easy for him, right? And they are apparently right. friends. The only statement he ever put out was very Switzerland. It was, I hope they both move on. They're fantastic right. people, but absolutely low key. He could do that, right?
2: Totally. Because he bailed her out of that charity thing as well. Yeah. So if he does, that might help her to, to continue on. But yeah, I mean, I don't think once once you're talking about defecating in a bit. I don't think you come back from that super mm-hmm. super quick.
0: Someone was suggesting Lifetime movies and Hallmark movies for Amber Heard <laughs> <laughs> from now on. Right. <laughs> right. That's it. Right. That's all she gets. What's your uh, what's your thoughts on Johnny Depp? Do you think that he is um, going to be the Hollywood A-lister he once was before all of this went down?
2: I don't think he'll ever get back to where he was. I mean, that's you know, that's the reason why a lot of these very narcissistic celebrities have publicists to shield the to shield the public from this? I mean, you know, we saw it with Tom Cruise when he fired his publicist and went off the rails. Very hard to get back from it. Will he probably get more contracts now? Yes. Will he ever be the same? I, I don't. I mean, those text messages he sent were mm. abhorrent on, on the best day. We got to peek into a very truck Two very troubled human beings, so it's very hard to live that sort of mystique and fantasy of this. You know, he was a sex symbol. This is you wanted this. It was the fantasy that you bought into. It's the same mm-hmm. thing like with Tom Cruise. We all bought into the fantasy. Then he started jumping up on down on couches, and we're all like, "No, thank you. That's fine." We don't <laughs> That's need <him> Strange, anymore. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Sandra, thank you so much for this insight. We really appreciate it.
2: Anytime. Thanks for calling me, guys. Appreciate it.
1: If anybody wants to talk to you guys, if they uh, have any legal issues that they'd like some advice on, how do they get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, don't call me for de- def- uh, defamation to <laughs> I beg of you, that nobody call me for that.
1: I one might 800- actually. Yeah, <laughs> now that we're starting this, yeah. I,
2: I just said you hit me, so you should call me, Scott. One one eight hundred five six seven hurt. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thank Sandra. You, Sandra, take care. Take care.
1: Uh, she's great.
0: She's fantastic. Um,
1: You know, I I don't know what's going to come next in this, but I know that I really enjoyed watching it because it seemed like they were into it. It seemed like they were willing participants in the whole circus that we've seen for the last couple of weeks.
0: And, you know, it's true that it is entertainment. And I know some people were grossed out by the stats and we I think we might have mentioned it on the podcast at the time. But I mean, more responses, more comments on anything related to Johnny Depp and Amber Heard over the past couple of months than any of the other, I mean, major actual issues in our world. That we're commenting on. So uh, people do like to see it. It doesn't make us feel good about our... Well, maybe it makes you feel better about yourself in a way. But there's something to be said for it. I think it'd be interesting if we could watch, for example, something like that in Canada, like a Jacob Hogard, which, by the way, the jurors are still out on that one. We're still waiting to find out.
1: Elon Musk came up in that conversation. And Elon is in the news for a couple of different reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, he's considering getting into a different business. Taking over space, not enough. Cornering the market on electric vehicles, not enough. Buying one of the biggest social media platforms in the world, not enough. Now he may go into the all-night diner business. He's considering an all-night <laughs> Tesla diner that would include a drive-in cinema and charging stations. Mm-hmm. It'll feature two 45-foot LED movie screens, indoor-outdoor seating, 28 superchargers, so you can recharge your vehicle while you relax, and you'd be able to pay with Dodgecoin.
0: Dogecoin.
1: Or Dogecoin?
0: Yeah. Is that how we say that? Dogecoin. Why oh, I've been saying it wrong
1: for a while now. Dogecoin, yeah. Huh. Uh, it would be on Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood.
0: Fine. I mean, yeah. Some people will like that. I don't know why. Why is Tesla not on as many stadiums? Because you mentioned that. And the first thing I thought is, that'd be cool if it came to Canada. The mm-hmm. problem here is you're only able to use that a few months out of the year. So you're looking at it as a business model going, nah, fuck that. We can't do a drive-in. That's not worth our money. But if you created a stadium where you could drive into it, now that would be baller.
1: We could be doing that with Roger Center all winter, by the way.
0: <sighs> just driving there sucks.
1: Eh, no.
0: you put the Tesla, put a Tesla stadium in like the Kitchener-Waterloo area. Where else could
1: we put it? Give me some outskirts. So basically, you just want... A roof and walls over a drive-in? It's
0: basically like the Sky Dome, but you're driving in, so you get to see the drive-in movie, plus charger vehicle, plus it's a diner. It's all in one fun for the whole family. <laughs>
1: huh. Well, the commercial's written itself, then. I um, I do think that there's more stuff that we need to consider doing that's indoors in Canada. Uh, you mentioned, hey, let's do a uh, Tesla Stadium. That makes a lot of sense. I also think we need a covered dog park. There's a lot of times when I'd love to take the dog out for a walk or to the park or just get him some exercise and it's raining without or, paying for it. You mean
0: Yeah, I'd even pay for an well, indoor facility. I mean, they do have indoor facilities. They the, do have some. But yeah, there's not a lot of them. Like I find they open and they shut down. I used to bring Leo to a couple. They're both gone now. Nobody goes. And maybe that's a COVID thing. Maybe not.
1: I'd like to consider it.
0: Yeah, there's just, a lot of daycare places, but you want to stay with your dog specifically, only go for like an hour and then take your dog with you. Yeah, right? I,
1: I want to do what I normally do outside for free indoors, and I'm willing to pay a small fee for it.
0: That's all I want. I think so many people want to pay just a small fee for it that they can't just, just can't be a business model. But there are places that do like the dog, eat, like the boarding. Oh, that yeah. That also yeah, yeah, offer yeah. those
1: things. No, I want a, a little fitness facility for myself and Charlie. <laughs> I think
0: you should create that.
1: It's not Why a bad not? idea. Why
0: not start it? When what do they say? The best, the best ideas you can have in business are ones where it's based off of what you feel you're missing,
1: and get right? introduced in a podcast.
0: And get introduced in a podcast.
1: The other reason that Elon Musk is in the news is he told executive staff at his company that they face being fired unless they work at least forty hours a week. In the office,
0: Mm, putting the foot down
1: in a leaked email sent to workers, Musk wrote that any executive staff who wish to work remotely must be in the office for a minimum of 40 hours per week or depart Tesla. Yeah. From what I hear, it's a great gig. Would you walk away from that gig because they want you working in the office full time?
0: He's talking about executives, too. They do not make little bits of money, guys. These are people who make a lot of money. To me, I mean, that's a fair... That's, of course, a fair ask. You're the one that's employing them if you want them in the office. I know there's companies right now struggling with a lot of their executives to try to keep them in the office half the time. So I understand his what his struggle must be like. But yeah, if you're a Tesla executive... That's a sweet gig. Someone else will come along and take it if you're not willing to stay there for 40 hours a week. I love how he says at least 40 hours. Like, you know, that's your minimum time anyway. So what he's saying is you want to work remote, do it outside your hours. Who's going to want to work the 40 hours plus work an extra remote? For the same salary. Well,
1: he pointed (laughs) out, we ask even more of our factory workers. So it makes perfect sense that the executives would work at least comparable hours in the office.
0: They don't get the option. You know, you're working factory floor anywhere. You don't get those cozy, air-conditioned, lovely perks that the execs, I'm sure, at Tesla. Just to name a few perks, I'm sure there's also cafeteria. and It's like a Google scenario, isn't it? From what I hear at, at the main Tesla headquarters buildings. So if you got all those perks... Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it was fun for a while to stay at home during COVID. And that's great. Wonderful. Flexible. But it's not any. It's not those issues aren't there anymore. And I think that that's a totally fair ask. I don't think that Elon is, you know, being like punishing in any way, shape or form. He's asking for what you signed on for, by the way, what you were hired to do.
1: A couple of quick ones. A German rapper who lost half his skull in a drug lab explosion what the fuck? says he made a huge mistake. Well, <laughs>
0: As he talked out the side of his ear.
1: <laughs> Nico Brenner is his name. He's 37 years old. He was cooking cannabis oil in butane gas when the bottles exploded from the spark that was produced by his fridge. The blast engulfed his body in flames. The force blew him off his feet and sent him flying through the window of his basement studio. The incident left the musician critically injured with burns all over his body and caused his brain to swell. Now, Brenner from cologne germany has opened up about the explosion which actually happened several years ago 40 percent of the surface of his skin was burned he's had almost 50 surgeries so oh, far
0: oh mama no
1: he was cooking cannabis oil and blew himself through the window of his basement holy shit I didn't know that could happen from cooking with cannabis oil.
0: Well, I'm definitely, that's not on my list of things I'm going to do.
1: Well, that's why you let the experts make the edibles, everybody, and you just enjoy them.
0: I eat them after they're completely cooled down. Don't touch anything otherwise.
1: Passengers on a Pennsylvania amusement park ride were left suspended upside down in the air due to a mid-ride malfunction. Mm -mm. Remember this story the next time you go to an amusement park? (laughs) Kennywood Park in West Mifflin confirmed the Aero 360 ride malfunctioned and left riders stranded upside down. Maintenance staff they say responded quickly and brought the ride back to its designated rest position and then safely evacuated the riders. Do you think they should get compensation or is that a risk you run when you ride a roller coaster? You
0: know that's a good that's a good question because you do ride you do ride a risk. <laughs> you absolutely do face those risks when you Put your butt on a seat of a roller coaster that goes upside down. When you're a kid, you don't think about those things, right? Like I remember going to Wonderland and stuff, not even having a care in the world or a thought that something could go wrong. But then as you get older, you do think everything's going to go wrong. I've seen Final Destination, fucker. I know what could possibly happen to me. I do think that in a way you run those risks. When you enter a lot of these parks, don't forget you do usually have to tick some boxes, don't you? Whether you're buying your ticket or you're at the gate, do you not have to tick a box that basically says don't sue us? Or can there be ways where you could sue if you can prove that it was a way we need Sandra back on? Hang on, what was Sandra? that number again? <laughs> Sandra, we need you.
1: I was actually going to call Jeremy instead of a golf game anyway. So <laughs>
0: oh, Call Jeremy then. Call Jeremy <laughs> Diamond. We need somebody. Um, that's a good question. But okay, so more just speaking based on how I feel yeah, I believe that you should be compensated if something happens to you because of it. How about that? So if I'm hanging upside down for a minute at a, at a roller coaster, but at the end of the day, nothing, no harm done. I'm not cut, scratched, bruised. I can, I can still go to work tomorrow. Everything's OK. You sh- everything should be all right. You kind of signed up for the possibility. But if I get badly injured, thrown from the card, if it tips over and falls based on your lack of safety or upkeep, yes.
1: They just announced. That on the cover of the next Madden game, Madden 2023 will be out in just a few months. Uh Uh-huh. On the cover this year, John Madden, who died on uh, December 28th.
0: Oh, well, that is fitting then, isn't it?
1: Fuck you, EA Sports. I was looking forward to not spending $80 this year, and now I've got it because Madden's on the cover.
0: Had Madden been on the... You have to help me out with this. Had Madden been on the cover before? Was he the first one on the cover
1: uh, let me see here. Died 28th. He's going to grace the cover of Madden NFL 23 this year as a tribute for his life and contributions to the game. According to EA, the newest edition of the game will be out in August. He will grace the cover for the first time in more than two decades, In more
0: than two decades. So at one point he, he was all oh, that's, I mean, that's a nice tribute. Of course, that is the ultimate tribute that you could do.
1: We had a huge topic come up this morning, and we didn't think it was going to be big. You know, sometimes we'll sit and say, we're going to talk about this, and and we're just going to get a ton of reaction. We know it. We didn't expect reaction on this one, and it's something so simple that I'm going to venture a guess most of us do every single day. We'll get to that coming up in just a sec. First, it's graduation time. It's almost time for all those convocations. Time to release you into the wild and say, go earn a living.
0: (laughs) Get out here. Get out of here. No, seriously, get the fuck out of here.
1: (laughs) A third of people had no life plan whatsoever after completing school, whether it was high school or college. 34 percent, according to a new poll, did not know what the next step was when they were handed their diploma. I honestly don't understand that. I, I don't know if I could say for certain that after I graduate, I'm going to be doing what I want, but I certainly knew what I was going to be doing, whether it was in my career field or not. I had a a plan. This is where I'm going to work. This is how much money I'm going to make and so on and so forth. People don't have that plan. They really don't know what the next step is. They're just going to sort of wait and see.
0: Yeah. To me, there's a big difference too, by the way, between graduating like high school, going into post and then being at the end of post and not knowing that also confuses me. Not knowing when you're coming out of high school, that's actually, it's, it's good that you figured out that you don't know because that's before you spend the money, before you spend the time, do you actually know? And if not, take some time to figure it out. But that's shitty. Like that's a shitty spot to be in. Fourth year, let's say it's a four-year program. Fourth year, you're about to get handed your diploma. You have no leads for a job. You're not even sure what you are qualified to do. That is not where you want to be. I'm sure that's not where you aimed for when you signed up for the program in the first place.
1: did not have a job lined up after finishing high school. Nearly a fifth of respondents who attended college admitted they didn't have a plan for after their senior year. The same percentage said after completing their last degree, whether it was high school or post-secondary, they were pessimistic about their future before Mm -hmm. stepping into the real world. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you can function like that, Great. If you can say, you know what? Grad's on uh, Friday. I'll get my diploma. Then I'm going to take two weeks off and and chill and relax and catch up with some friends and do some stuff like that. Then I'm going to go to work. If you've got that kind of a plan set up. Cool. If you have no idea what's coming next, that I would think is a very unsettling feeling, isn't it? Unsettling feeling. I mean, kind
0: of disappointing, It's kind of disappointing, isn't it? I mean, you go through all those motions, you have time in those few years. And let's say it's even a two year program. I don't know a lot of like bigger programs that are two years long, but even throughout that two years, you couldn't have maybe figured out what the next move is. Then you question, like, do do you even want to do that? Because a lot of people are forced into it or feel forced into just picking something and they just go eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And there you go. And then you're like, do I even want to be an accountant? (laughs) 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 Maybe I don't actually like this after all. Turns out I hate math. (laughs) wish I figured that out four years ago or whatever. Yeah, it it sucks. That sucks. That's a shitty position to be in. It really is.
1: I want to introduce you to psychotherapist Gary Stallman. Gary had an article published just recently where he sticks up for guys. There's a big difference, and I think we'll all agree, between saying, love ya, and saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. Gary says... Guys are brought up to believe it's not socially appropriate to talk openly about their feelings. Saying love ya feels safer and more casual to them. He says, remember, men pride themselves on their actions. So pay attention to how he treats you, not his suspect shortcut. Even if your guy finds muttering those three little words difficult, his behavior should show you loud and clear how he really feels about you. Basically, what he's saying is not all guys, and they're basically pre-wired this way, can casually throw out an, I love you. It's safer to them to just say a, love ya. And we agree that there is a difference between a, love ya, and an, I love you. And if he's one of those, love ya, kind of guys, it doesn't necessarily mean he doesn't love you. It just means... He's not there uh, he's not in his comfort zone when he says it and and you should judge him by how he treats you, not the words that come out of his mouth.
0: Okay safer? Does it make you feel safer as a man? like this is some bullshit to me. This goes back to you know, oh it's a man though you know it's a l- small baby steps for men Does't that make you feel like shit as a man? like that would I would be defensive about that. Does it make you feel safer to say love you? based on or instead of I love you to your girlfriend?
1: I I think there's something to be said for putting yourself out there. And in every relationship, when there's an I love you, someone says it first. Guys aren't necessarily comfortable putting themselves out there, I think because they're afraid of the response or whatever. It could be some deep seated issue for me. Yeah, I've I've really kind of tapped into myself a lot over the last, say, 10 years. Before that, Maybe I was a little more guarded. Maybe I didn't say the I love you's. I actually did, but love ya. I understand why some guys do it. They don't want to be out there on that limb. I don't. Or they feel like as soon as they say an I love you, ugh, now I'm committed. But I mean,
0: this is not talking about first times. This is not talking about the beginning. There are people in relationships that don't get to hear that. And that's what this person, in my mind anyway, as I'm listening to it, that's what they're talking about. Like, don't, we're your spouse of, you know, 10 years. If they can't say those words, that's what I'm hearing. And I can't believe how many people commented on it. I mean, you mentioned it. Like, we thought it was just a small little topic and so many people, this hit home for them. And I think we might have started some arguments. I'm not going to lie to you, Scott. But let me read some of the text messages that we got. What about when you say, I love you? And the response is just back at you or, yeah, you too. That's not the same.
1: (laughs) A back at you is not the same. Although it is the same, it's just not the same.
0: Someone saying "I love you" says this person should be vulnerable and trusting in a relationship. You should be able to say it. "I love you," and there's absolutely no excuse to not. Like in my in my mind, if you mean to say the words, then say the words. It's it's not like you're shortening it that much. "I love you" is a short thing to say. "Love you" is a short thing to say. So it's a slap in the face, says Caroline on text. Yes, I agree. It's a slap in the face. (laughs) no she says might as well say hate you but yeah if if, (laughs) if my husband just said to me yeah I love you whatever I would feel that I would be like hmm but it is worth a discussion this I will mention if that is you and you just realize now holy shit I say I love you I text I love you and they never say I love you then I in all fairness there's always got to be honesty there then you can say you know I don't like that you just like slang it up for me like I am your partner I am the person you love no slangsies. <laughs> Tell me, I love you, and if you don't, then I think something's weird there. I don't necessarily think it's because it makes the person safer. I think that that's that's just strange. That's where I come from, and for me, I'll always when I talk about my family, especially, it's I love you. Anybody else, it's usually love you. My good girlfriends, etc. I love them absolutely, but I, I'm not like I love you. Sometimes I am. Maybe it depends how drunk I am, but usually, like especially when it comes to family. I don't know. Like, to me, that's just a no-brainer. You say the words.
1: Just, it was earlier this week. I said, I love you to the dog. And I realized, shit, I don't think I've ever told the dog I love him. I'll give him a love you, buddy, or something like that. But I don't think I've ever said, I love you. (laughs) I don't think I ever have. And I don't think the dog was questioning it. I don't think anyway. But there would definitely be a difference if I hadn't said it to my girlfriend.
0: It hits different. The two things hit different. That's a good way to say it. Right? It's like slight variations. And in your mind, maybe maybe you're realizing this about yourself. And that's fine. You're not a terrible person. If you just realize, like, holy shit, I never do that. Whether I'm talking to my spouse, whether I'm talking to my kids, whether I'm talking to my mother and father or whatever it might be that you truly love, you probably just realize there's a lot of people listening right now that probably just realized I don't do that. I don't say it. Just know that it does hit different. When someone says, I love you, that hits so different than a, okay, love you, see you later. Mm-hmm.
1: So different. What if the guy thinks he loves her and or him, and he's pretty sure that they're the one, but he realizes the impact and the importance of an I love you. And before he actually commits to saying, I love you, He's just not quite there yet. Almost pretty sure we're going down the road. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but doesn't quite want to say it yet. Isn't a love ya better than nothing? I don't know.
0: I don't know. I, I guess it depends on where you where you sit on the other side of it. Right. If, if you're the type of person that thinks, OK, that makes me feel more comfortable. You saying love you. But once you say I love you, I'm uncomfortable, too. The other person might be begging for it. And maybe that will make the world a difference. Even if you just keep it top of mind. I don't know. Like to me, again, I just I have such a problem with why are we don't worry, guys, make it okay for men, okay. Make them feel safer and more comfortable, okay. Like, I don't know. Like if I was a man, I'd be like, screw you. Like I know a lot of really great men that may not be 100 percent confident in life. They're still able to say I love you and say I love you every single day to their spouse or their family.
1: What if they don't, though? what if they think they might and they're getting close, but I I can't say for certain, I love you. And I don't want to put that in her head and set us on this fully committed walking towards an engagement or something like that path. For now, I'm just going to leave it at a, everything's good. Love ya, but I don't love you yet. I can't say for certain yet that I love you. I like you a lot, love ya, but I don't love you yet. Isn't that just sort of, If you bring it up in a conversation, (laughs) it's, oh, fuck, honesty, that's
0: what it is. But that's the thing. And if the, like I'm saying, if the other person doesn't bring it up and they'll just go along with it, just, just notice their, notice their vocabulary too. Do they say it? Do they say it in full and you're not reciprocating it? Then maybe they're going to want to hear from you on why you haven't, or maybe they don't care. It's possible. But then you got to ask why they don't care. This is why it starts fights. You know what I mean? Because it makes people start to think about how they say it and who says what and who says it first. And hey, you haven't said it in a while or, you know, it causes issues, doesn't it?
1: It does. In a way. For sure. This will start conversations. I think so, too.
0: But I don't know. Okay, keep it top of mind. And if you're a man, don't listen to this person just because you're a man doesn't mean you need to feel safer. Because if you feel confident, you say it. You don't need to hide behind that stuff. I don't like that.
1: Uh, Two quick things here, and we're almost out of time. I got a great note yesterday, a DM from somebody who heard the pod, and we were talking about uh, relationships and the age gap between Mm, certain people and cougars.
0: and and, and That's right, the cougs. And manthers. And manthers.
1: Uh, This guy said he just turned 55, and ever since then, he's had a lot of 30-something women after him. Oh, And I'm thinking, huh, that's interesting. He thinks it could be because he toned up a little bit during COVID. Maybe he's putting something else out there. But he thought that conversation was really good. So he appreciated it. And we thank him for listening to this episode of After 9. Thank you. The thing we don't have time for today, and unfortunately we ran out, but I do want to talk about this. So I'm going to make a note to try and circle back on it tomorrow. Okay. Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank is disgusted At the suggestion, a suggestion that I, in the past, have publicly supported many times. I didn't know that he and I would be at odds on this. He says he's looked at the proposal and can find absolutely no merit to forgiving student debt. To wiping that student debt off the books Mm. and letting people just go into the workforce debt-free after school. Okay, He said... He gave a lot of reasons and I'm going to list those tomorrow, but I'm going to ask you and I'm going to ask Dave your perspective. Okay. And then I'm going to decide if I've changed mine because I actually think that students got jerked around so much during COVID that they they should get their tuition money back or have their loans forgiven. How can we make that equal for everybody? I'll have to think about that a little bit, but I'm sure this is not an unsolvable problem. Kevin says no way. School is not a privilege. Sorry, is not a right. It's a privilege, and you have to pay for it if you want it. So we'll come back to that tomorrow. Have yourselves a fantastic election day, everybody. Go campaigning. Everybody,
0: (laughs) go everyone. (laughs) Everybody wins. Just kidding.
1: The After Nine Podcast is powered by Tony Johal, Broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed, or he'll buy.